Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a new episode of The X Button. I am one of your hosts, Alejandro, and with me is the Titan Tarnished. Paul, oh, hey, everybody. Yeah. How's it going? <laughs> We're going. That was an interesting one today. Okay. Um, Alejandro, how you doing? I'm doing just pretty chill. It's been, uh, I'm glad that uh, it's Easter week is over. Vacation's done. It was mostly uneventful. I had some normal rest. I thought I was going to rest even more, but I lead an interesting life. <laughs> How about you? <laughs> um, kind of the same, actually, because every time I think that I have some extra time on my hands, uh, my parents have been moving since like uh, mm. last month or something. Yeah, so and... you had to move <laughs> this week. So I had to move for them, essentially, and uh, they just did the closing on their house yesterday. So it's all officially done with them, but um, they, my parents had a lot of stuff and my brother and I had a lot of stuff and my brother lives in North Carolina now. And as many of you know, I live in New Orleans. So that's a very long trip. Uh, he wasn't going to make that. So it was on me and uh, the two of them to get most of it done. And um, that took a lot of my spare time for a while but hopefully we can get back into the the true swing of things and um i've been having to unwind with some more relaxing games lately to get back oh yeah we absolutely we absolutely will talk about that and i have been unwinding with with not some relaxing games so (laughs) quite diametrically diametrically opposed but yeah, this is the X Button, the X Button podcast, or gaming podcast that posts every Wednesday from 2 p.m. onwards, God willing, available in the YouTube channel, Escape Media, as well as most audio services around the world, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the like. You can find links in the RSS feed at anchor.fm slash escape media. If you enjoy our show, give us a like and subscribe. So, enough preamble, Paul. Tell me, what are some of those relaxing games you've been playing? Well, at first, I just briefly mentioned that I was playing a little bit more of LEGO Star Wars, the Skywalker Saga, which Mm -hmm. our co-host Zach has been having a notoriously bad Bad time time on playing. (laughs) Um, It has been crashing, breaking, and everything in between for that poor man. Um, I don't know how, because mine has been... uh, never stabler Mm -hmm. i've had all the fun that i needed to with it played through a little more of the sequels and i know what you mean how they clearly did not have any interest in really uh going through that movie Mm -hmm. and just (laughs) they just make fun of it (laughs) from running around luke's island like twice trying to chase a porg with blue milk in its hands or wings or whatever uh to all the shenanigans with uh finn and rose uh the the technicolor uh purple hair lady um holdo Hold and her like other colored hair friends was actually really funny to me <laughs> um and even going to uh still having her completing suicide through the ships but it was like the colors of their hair instead and i was mm-hmm. like oh my goodness this is hilarious uh anything anyway, to make fun of those sequel movies i'm all for it it's it's hilarious but um yeah so i just played a little bit of that and then i played through the entirety of little nightmares too it was mm-hmm. on sale for like 15 bucks so i picked that up and um i mean it was just do you play the first one I did. And so I still think that the first one is way better, honestly. Yeah. Um, It it started off strong for me. The problem that I found out is the second one is entirely an escort mission. You can't, you play as a new character and it is a prequel to the first game. 
uh, and the side character is the main character from the first game. That's not really like a spoiler because, I mean, they're on the cover of the poster sitting mm -hmm. next to the main character. Um, but didn't really appreciate it after a while. Um, it, most of the time it was all right. Like they don't get detected. So that was fine. But just the fact of like, all right, I have to kind of go through that. And I didn't really find the plot as interesting. Cause mm -hmm. like the first one is very self-contained. You find yourself on this boat of monsters pretending to be people and you have to escape it and survive. This one is like, you kind of find like a city and then you just kind of go through the city for some reason and things happen that I won't spoil. Um, so I, I left a little dissatisfied at the end of it, but mm -hmm. that all that is to say, go play the first game because it's really fun. Um, and then I played more of Horizon Forbidden West. You completed Aether, which I was did. The, um, the mid-low point of the game. Yeah, so I, I did that and I immediately went over to Poseidon and I was like, oh, cool, Sea of Deserts, this is awesome. Um, and then I, you were right because I saw the windows underneath my feet mm -hmm. and I was like, oh, this is exactly what he was talking about. Sure enough, you kind of go down through the elevator shaft and it's just this stunken sprawling. <laughs> um, and it was like the neon lights in there. I was like, oh, this is good. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I enjoyed that part of it and um, I've been enjoying the fact that I really had to bump down the difficulty for the custom mm -hmm. because my, not even my style of playing, it's just unless you are always on it, like rotating the traps, mm -hmm. the the different kinds of weaponry and stuff. And then sometimes I just felt like I wasn't getting it even when I was hitting the right places. So I was just like, I want to hit the right spot and like see some good damage. So I kind of bumped that down, but um, I have some other things to kind of offset that and I'm just there for the vibes. So, mm -hmm. um, and I, I love the cutscenes. Uh, the characters are starting to grow on me a little more as like, Aaron's messing with his focus at mm -hmm. all time and like you hear the behind the scenes with Varl and Varl and uh, so yeah and I was like oh wait they have a bed together ooh mm. saucy um so like they that, feel like character they feel like actual people now because it allows you to actually interact with them outside just plot yeah that's, that's so that's important it's the mass really... effect in this game I agree because um after every time it's forcing you to go back to the main base and in the process of leaving you have the opportunity very clearly to talk to every single person in your group mm -hmm. and that's what really helps me because if i had to go more out of the way to talk to them i just wouldn't bother and, and they and, know that and it's helpful because it gives you like the little white thing i was like oh he has something yeah. to say instead of that, like a mass effect you have to be more intentional about going to talk in case they have something new to say exactly yeah. so that i really appreciate that and that i'm kind of getting to the point again where i can just kind of all right y'all go do your thing i'm just gonna like play the game now for a few hours that's been fun but um anyway so that, that was just more of that and then no man's sky the yearly yearly drop a new free <laughs> expansion yeah called outlaws and um basically revamped all the things that i think were like the last holdouts of stuff that I considered not really the strongest part of that game because mm -hmm. the space combat was kind of rudimentary and not super fun after a minute and there wasn't really a whole lot to push you to really do combat as much 
Um, and there instead it was like, all right, you get vehicles, you get settlements, you get some other things, freighters. But like that was the last part that I was like, it's still not really that fun. And now they added all of that by just giving that to me. Mm. It, it just I I downloaded it on PS5. I started a new character completely, mm-hmm. and um, man, it feels good. And I, you, you did the right thing for it by starting completely because yeah. trying to like put an old save through new updates nightmare. Yeah. It's a nightmare <laughs> because the the biggest problem I found because I did that when either Next or Horizons or something can't mm-hmm. no Horizons is Elite Dangerous anyway Frontiers. Um, mm-hmm. I tried doing that with my old save on the new content, but the problem is since it's all procedurally generated, all of the systems you've already been to have been saved on the old stuff, so they're not going to get updated with all the new things. So you just you miss out on all of that unless you are really intentional with going to new systems. Um, and you don't you miss out on the tutorial, so you miss out on like the consolidation of resources, how all of the new stuff even works. And eh, that just wasn't really doing it for me. Um, so restarting it let me go through that force tutorial, and I'm still technically on it, but I'm having so much fun that it doesn't matter. So play it, No Man's Sky. <laughs> yeah, that's it's. Uh, I'll I'll kind of get. It's on Game Pass. If you're on Xbox, it's on yes. Game Pass. So <laughs> uh, or PC, and it is it is a looker, guys. Um, mm-hmm. I'm telling y'all, like it was. It's it was our a little... style is shining right now with like yes. the new hardware. It's so. st- once again stylized over realism is the way to go in so many places, and this is one of those. I took some screenshots, so if mm-hmm. y'all want to follow me at Dorkavard on Twitter. I'm gonna be posting those later today. I think I messaged you directly actually mm-hmm. for those. I'm gonna post them, and it's gorgeous. And all of these planets are completely different. Those are like the first two systems that I went to. So I, oh, I want to go. You're back breaking to play me, Paul. Right I'm now. gonna have to reinstall that thing again because I'm I reinstalled it last year. <laughs> so I mean, you, that's okay. So one negative is you, you almost need to like f- have a video to follow along. Oh, absolutely. Um, it's like so just is that kind of obtuse game that you need kind of like yeah. some pointers. So. Expectations aside, it's it's fun. So Alejandro, I'm gonna get out of the way. What you talking? Yeah, about? I do that for Elden Ring anyway, so I don't care. <laughs> so, Fair enough. After um. I've been trying to like jump through different games to see what I want to play after spending so much time in Horizon, and um, I still had the Uncharted Legacy of Thieves collection installed, so I was like, I'm gonna go through it because my save that I imported for Uncharted 4 didn't pop all the trophies, because I did platinum that game on PS4, but I didn't upload the save that popped all those trophies into the cloud, so I kind of missed out on that, or I think I overwrote it, or something like that, but... When I thought yeah. I had like five different trophies, I was like, I'm going to go through this. And I played through the first six, six chapters again. And I'm like, Paul, I don't like this game as a game. I don't. It bores me. The story is what I like. But this is this is what I confirmed when I did that replay during the pandemic. This is a story I enjoy even more as a payoff having gone through all of them at the same yeah. time. So it's kind of like the same like how with Avengers Endgame. I don't like that movie just as something that I want to just pop up and just watch. Yeah, but when you watch it, it after, yeah, watch it as like a payoff. It has that sense of gravity because you have something fresh in your mind that just pays off. So I'm like, yeah, if I'm gonna go back to Uncharted 4, I have to do it the right way. I have to replay one, two, and three. The good thing is that those games are short. So yeah, and I like and I really do like those. So. I know what you're talking about now more so than when we were on our little group chat because 
um when you think about it uncharted 4 is kind of structured strangely because mm -hmm. it has the good action packed opening. in the middle but until the middle right but then you have the scuba section you mm -hmm. have the kids sections which there are several of those you have mm -hmm. the prison segment um off the top of my head what am i thinking there's any of the times where you have to walk around and just listen to people talk so like mm -hmm. there's a lot of that before you even get to the part of the mm -hmm. game that's really fun yeah and i feel like at least something let's say the second game really got out of your way i'd say uh, i mean the first game is literally all of it mm -hmm. the third game has a couple of segments but it's got a good opening and then a good second Here, here's what's funny half. three and four are paced almost similarly the only difference is that three is shorter. Four is a longer game with a better told that. story, but yeah. three in its shortness is more pulpier. So the thing yeah. is that the gameplay, I think the gameplay in one, two and three, because it's like more frenetic, kind of gets you in and out in a way that four takes its sweet time with. So it really does. Um, oh, it, and the, the Crash Bandicoot segment. Can't forget that. I, I love that. I absolutely love that. And story one. And that, that's the thing. Story moments of that game are always good. Yeah. I love Nate and Elena just chilling, being a married couple. I, I absolutely I love when see. you're eating and then she's telling you about Bangkok and he just like dozes off, like looking at the at the painting. And then he's like, what are, you, what are you trying? You're trying to answer it with the three different answers that are always wrong. Mm -hmm. That Crash Bandicoot moment, getting to meet Sam again. But it's in the moment-to-moment -moment gameplay. I don't know why I always f never have, like, a sense of excitement in those initial sections. So I was like, yeah, if I'm I'm going to do it again, I'm going to... I like replaying the Uncharted series once a year sometimes because they're quick. They're like that kind of movie. It's like me rewatching Star Wars or Indiana yeah. Jones or the, the Lord of the Rings movies. Like, things that I just love doing year to year. So, But it's something that it finally clicked in my mind. that Because remember, I was more negative towards Uncharted for, prior to yeah. when I replayed it in 2020. And then after I replayed it, I was like, Man, now I'm really vibing with this. But again, it, it, it really clicked in my head. It is because I just play one, two, and three together. I want to uh, offer uh, encouragement to anybody listening in where I want to say that's absolutely valid as an opinion. And then mm -hmm. I want to break that down a little. But because... like, uh, Paul, like just for people to know, Paul absolutely loves Uncharted 4. Oh, so... I, I adore Uncharted, yeah. but I'm I'm stepping down off my high horse to explain that I think that's absolutely valid because some people just really need the buildup before a payoff. Just like mm -hmm. listening to a good song, you can't just jump to the part you love. You have mm -hmm. to earn that. Exactly. And I think that's kind of where you're at with Uncharted. And I think if that allows you to really un enjoy Uncharted 4, which is like one of my favorite games of all time now, mm -hmm. um, I think that all power to you for being able to do that. Mm -hmm. So I think anybody out there, if you're arguing with your best buddy about why they hate something you love, mm -hmm. think about how they can best experience that. And I think that's going to help you and them both love it. Yeah. More. And, and I think it's kind of like inherently in how I'm wired that I just love rewatching and do a bunch like the breadth of content i'm not someone that's just you're gonna jump into like the very best parts most of the time i like yeah. that build up i don't know why i just like that build up even at my age because it just, just like makes that. it sweeter whenever it hits you know and uncharted um, and 4 story hits sweet as I a culmination for me the uncharted 4 is self-contained enough that the build up through 4 gives me the payoff because mm -hmm. the first half is so slow that when it gets good it gets good for me yeah the thing but, is that uh, the very first time yeah. i ever experienced four was after having played one two and three back in 2016 so yes so that's like from the very moment of, that i first experienced this experienced this game back on ps4 
I already was wired that way as kind of like that payoff and I remember that and it I just saw on it when I wanted to like replay just that game because yeah. I could go back to three no problem like three is the one I have replayed the most because it's the tightest one because well, it's also self-contained because there's a build-up and a payoff within three because mm -hmm. they kind of reset the relationship status of Drake in a way like that. in a way like if you have played at least one you can jump to three and at least have an idea because they're the ones yeah, that deal more, more with Sir Francis Drake. Two is the one that just deals more with the relationship between Nate and Elena and Chloe. Right. So all of those games are great. Like that's the thing. Like like I mentioned, I don't like Uncharted 4 as just a game to just pop in. I like yeah. it as an experience. And that made it clearer to me, even with the better visuals, the updated frame rate, all of that is like that's great. That's great and all. I'm gonna re-experience it when I just go through the trilogy because I'm due for a replay. And uh, I'm going back into the Destiny 2 train that we keep going out of that. Paul, we actually did finish Bow the Disciple. We did, and that almost broke me. Yes, because, um, you, because think about it this way. You finally did the raid of the moment in the year that yeah. it came out and in the Which moment it came out. great, I yeah. will say. Um, <laughs> and like the first time we did it, it we just crushed it, I think. Um, well, no, that was the one time we really finished it. But anyway... Mm -hmm. Um, there were the two attempts of the first half and the second half for mm -hmm. me personally. You've kind of done it several times yeah. now. How I many did times it, is that? I've done it two times. The second time I finally got the exotic. Okay. The corrective measure. <laughs> or so, no, it was, whatever the um, the exotic the for that, that race. The pulse rifle was, yeah. yeah. Um, which looks amazing, by the way. I didn't even know it existed before you sent a picture of it. I was like, wait mm -hmm. a minute. Is that the exotic <laughs> vow to the disciple? Because I've never even... Mm -hmm heard people talk about it but apparently it, it was it was my shot on freud finally uh yeah see um, like never getting eyes of tomorrow seeing you get back smith of class after me going through that raid 11 times potentially 12 today and um and then finally getting that i was like okay this is what it feels like getting it very early so <laughs> but yeah it was like a, i've with, with our clan specifically now we have done all the raids that i finally have them all in my mind that i'm I'm willing to say I can now teach them all and have a group where we can just run through that. Like today, maybe later we're going to speed run through whichever one we do. So it's good to do that. And it feels like I've gotten closer to being more content complete with Destiny that I can kind of put it away other than just like the specific raid segments instead of just trying to play it. Because I did also a bunch of Iron Banner this week with all my three characters. So I was like, I'm destined out for the moment other than raid. Yeah. <laughs> if there's one thing that I've learned will absolutely burn me out, it is Iron Banner, Trials, mm -hmm. any any PvP basically. Oh yeah, PvP or... in this game is just uh it's a struggle. Yeah, um, or if I try to play Gambit more than like three matches at a time, mm -hmm. uh, especially now, I am I'm done after like two, and then I'm like I can't touch this anymore. This yes. is annoying me. <laughs> it's and with Gambit's worse because there's barely any new map there, so having to see the same yeah. environments over and over again, it's just it's not cutting it for me anymore. So yeah, it's like I can't I... wait for the new season. Whenever we get like new content, I've been yep. apparently they're having. I just finished the season pass, um, so I'm I'm ready for it pretty much. Mm -hmm. I I think there's only like the challenges that I would want to finish beforehand, and then I'm gonna keep coming back because I know I want that uh, ornament for the helmet that mm -hmm. has the glowing eyes, and then uh, 
save your just save later. your strength for July, Paul, because that's when the solstice will be here, and you'll finally I'm, get the armor I'm that you've been wanting. I'm just gonna end up spending money on silver anyway, but I'm gonna like gauge it just mm -hmm. to see how it plays out. Because if the new one's really good, yeah, I might just get that one. But... You bought the deluxe edition, right? Yes. Yeah. So you don't have to buy anything else. Like all seasons are there now. Well, somebody said that uh, they sell all the previous. Um, yes. Solstices. They, yeah, they can sell. Yeah, silver. they can send. Yeah, they can sell them as packages. So maybe okay. for those, the good thing is that you don't have to buy any more seasons. So you're like yes. you bought your Destiny year already. So exactly. So I'm. I just got it out of the way. I was like, ah, it's five bucks, but at least I don't have to remember to like constantly buy it every time. So yeah, at least that's good. But um, I, my cooldown is a little longer, I think, on raids, unless we like Vault of Glass is the only one I think I'm I okay want to do with, Vault like... because it's like quick, it's a quick one. After we saw that it can be done in 30 minutes, that's one that oh, I'm yeah. like, yeah, let's do it with people that know how to do it and just do yeah. it. And but... I, I want that Fatebringer still. I really want it. Hey, you got Vex, so be happy. <laughs> I did, and I like hardly ever used it. I didn't want a Vex Mythic last. I wanted and, a Fatebringer. And the thing is that, like, w one thing that makes me feel less salty about the fact that you have it is that you got it a season after it was the best weapon. Because yeah. Vex with Particle Reconstruction last season with that buff that they do, was like shredding everything. The, the monkey's paw curled, and it was like, "We will give you one of the best, most sought-after guns after it's useful." Now, like, here's right, the thing fine. that I'm worried though about the Vow of the Disciple exotic. It's like it's yeah. very for that weapon to feel exotic, you have to be in either devour, volatile, or or like weekend states with your enemies to kind of like mix uh -oh. it with that weapon. And right what now, what is its passive? There's no passive, it's just a pulse rifle that's like void. So there's a bunch of buffs that I'm like, I want to see how this works next season when we move to a new meta, if it's even going to be viable, because it works great, not in endgame content, but like when I was doing the campaign, like mixing it with, because I have a devour build and you can start devouring, then you shoot something, then you extract the devour and just shoot right. and, and get, get that buff on other enemies. So there's like a very, it's very interesting how that weapon works, but I'm also curious how it's going to work next season because we're getting the Solar 3.0 or Art 3.0, whichever they we decide. We still don't know which it is. Yeah, we don't know which one, but we're getting one. That's the thing. Like Next season, we're getting one of the two, and then the season afterward, we complete the 3.0 cycle, and we get everything in the same system. So, I don't know why I thought I had to wait longer. So July, wait, June or July? May. In May, May we're, getting the, we're getting the 3.0 either Solar or Arc, and then three months later, we're getting a new raid, and the the next uh, the next power cycle. So, mm, wow. I, I don't know what I and, and I don't I don't know what I want. Like part of me is like I like arc because I like the the uh, Dragon Ball C laser to get the chaos reach, yes. and I like the Superman punch for but the Titan. I feel so. like arc needs the most work because unless you're going for that specific super, there's not much. At mm -hmm. least like Hunter is. Yeah, the trash, yeah, apparently. Yeah, Ark and Hunter um, is like not even. If worth you're not using, using Thunder Crash for Titan, you're wasting yourself. If you're not using the Blast with the, the Warlock as much, unless you'd use. No, no, no. Or... Actually, correction. The uh, Ark in in Warlock is actually viable. They reworked some of the like the Palpatine 
roaming that you're kind of I realized yeah especially yeah. for pvp it's really mm-hmm. good um so yeah anyway that one probably needs it but like solar is really useful i mean that's what i was playing before uh, mm-hmm. i switched to void and just like the healing ability for all of them really i mean i remember the hunter solar was like one of the biggest things you know and it's even now you get your little six shooter out or mm-hmm. three shooter i guess um and then the titan hammer the warlock uh dawn blade is like super iconic so yeah but then i the, hope it's those, the but... warlock dawn blade is iconic but it's not strong but the titan one it's kind of the, the healing rift not healing yeah. rift the well of radiance the well of radiance yeah which is the, the new one. raid is finally one of the first encounters where you don't have to use a well of radiance it's like which i'm sure actually, is great for y'all warlock names yeah because it meant that i could finally use my void without having to feel bad about not having a well and I, we did um where bubble titan was like the only option we were yeah. allowed to use we actually did Deepstone crypt where usually a strategy would be to use a well we didn't use a well and we actually beat the boss in two phase so it's possible it's like it's possible to finally get away from that well of radiance crutch but paul i have to talk about Elden ring why why do we have to talk about Elden ring because i've had the widest range of experience just playing it over the last few days so i arrived to that academy you told you always told me about the uh raya what the hell is the raya lucaria that is like hd blood like 4k bloodborne finally this this is like what bloodborne would look like if it wasn't current harbor pretty pretty very pretty place if you're a sword and shield dude a nightmare with with everyone just shooting you with the magic there and unless you manage to find a shield that covers the magic you're just gonna get shredded even if you're covering yourself then uh you reach this library where you have to fight this wolf with a flaming sword it was like destroying me left and right because my build is sword and shield, especially slow sword yeah. and shield. And, and the yeah, way I'm I had tell to... you, stop you real quick. This is exactly why you need to, even with sword and shield, you have to have that good roll. Mm-hmm. You always have to have that good roll. Anyway, go ahead. Exactly. And, and the way I had rolled, especially like I was specifically building towards strength and dex and not much vigor until much later until i kept hearing yeah just keep doing vigor you're gonna need it for later and then be like i kind of want to do some of that cool magic i keep seeing all the, the big laser it looks like chaos reach that moon crash whatever that thing's called that's like just oh i i haven't even used that because it's 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 good. very it's very high in the in the yeah. intelligence or faith or in the stats that is this the souls games that is just the big numbers that you have to get for you to be able to use some of this stuff so I remember I, I went on the, my whole text raid and been like, yeah, I feel I feel I'm going to beat this game probably in five years from now because I'm struggling now. I may have emptied the tank with Dark Souls. I didn't was expecting it. And I was like, I finally beat that wolf. I was like, OK, here we go. You always need that kind of get that bump. Then I go to um, I climb that stair where there's like that big ball that drops that you have to kind of have to dodge. Yeah. And there's like this portal to the right. I was like, okay, I'm going to go to that portal. I go in. I was like, oh, I'm out of the place. Oh, here's this turtle. Hi, turtle. And he gives me some magic. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go explore for a little bit. I reach this place called Jerberg. And I see a bunch of the pot friends. One of them attacks me. I was like, okay, I didn't do anything to you. I kill it. And then I hear a boy say, you kill him. You broke, you broke my heart. I'm like, wait, what? What happened? 
and then I go to a grace point, what happens? Glitch. My grace point broke, because apparently I broke a quest in Jarward by killing those Jar friends that attacked me first. So I was like, oh, so you attacked me, I'm gonna kill all of you, and I want to kill, and that's the only place where they don't spawn. But that entire area of grace points was broken. It was like, I couldn't, I could uh, fast travel, but I couldn't touch the grass to do like the stat upgrade and all that. And it would put me like an infinite loading screen. It would, it would be, I timed it. I spent staring like 15 minutes to see if it helped. And it was still, Paul, I, you, you, it was a black screen with the Elden Ring logo in the, in the corner. That night I was like, I cannot believe it. I think I broke the game. And I went online and found threats from 20 days ago saying this. And it hasn't been fixed. I was like, I'm ready to uninstall this thing. It's like, it's, I cannot believe it. It's like, I broke a big And just the idea of having to go through all of that again. Like, I don't think I can do this. But then the next morning, I would just went through the threads. And so I was like, yeah, just teleport far away from there. And you'll be able to say, I was like, okay, I'm going to go back to Bloodborne Place. I went there. It worked. I was like, okay, I've circumvented the, bre the brokenness of this. That's still stupid, they haven't fixed it. There was a patch today, I haven't read it, I haven't read the patch notes. I'm hoping they say, we fixed Jarberg. If it's not there, I'm gonna lose my mind. And uh, I kept going through the Bloodborne Castle, finally reached Rena, Renala, whatever the the big oh. boss is there. Yeah. Uh, died to her like 20 times. And it was like near the end that I decided, I was like, I don't know what it was, I had my Claymore with the the bleeding thing where you press L2 and then you do like the big slash with blood. I didn't realize that also imbues your sword with the bleeding effect. If you keep just slashing, it does the blood. I was like, I was like, yeah. oh it's like Uchigatanga. Then I was like, I went back to a grace point, found a quick sword. I was like, what do I have? Okay, I have a broadsword here. I'm going to put it there. I'm going to just upgrade it super quick. Went there, beat it in one. Just like hitting, 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 bleed, hitting, 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 bleed. I was like, Okay, here we go. Then uh, went farther north. I was like, oh, I'm one-shotting the bosses again. That's cool. F found the place where you find Rainy the Witch. And then that's when I tried to join. I, I tried to do co-op with you. Yeah. And it didn't and work. That didn't work. Yeah. No. Oh, my God. It's like, let's just go on that tangent. From software, you guys suck with online. Like, why is it so hard to partner up with a friend? Why is it let's, so damn uh... hard? I'll, uh, for anybody that hasn't played any Souls game, I'm going to go ahead and give you a breakdown of the step-by-step -step process to actually play with your friends, um, as, as you normally you would mm -hmm. do. So what you have to do is, uh, first of all, ideally, you have to be close in level. Uh, second of all, if you're not, you have to be near a specific area of the map that is regarded as a dungeon slash castle, whatever it is. And uh, there's no specific border kind of deciding that. You just have to kind of be in there, that right area. Um, then after that, you have to go into the menus and you have to be talking with your friend already who's going to be online, of course, um, through like a party or something because God knows you're not gonna be able to talk to them through the game. You have to go into the menu, you have to select the specific item that you got you have to make sure they spe uh, specifically select the right item you have to have the right password selected on that item uh between the two of you or else anyone can see your little summon sign and summon you in the process which happened to me before <laughs> i could change that password somebody summoned me yep. <laughs> and it ruined the whole process 
kind of start it over. So yeah, you have to uh, make sure that little password is the exact same as your buddy's password. And then from there, they have to use an item so that they can see the sign that you wrote on the ground. And then maybe it'll show up. If it doesn't, you just have to keep kind of reloading and hope. And sometimes it doesn't, no matter what you do. And sometimes it will. And then when you do, you select the button and then you wait for it to be saying that you're being summoned. And then for about 10 seconds, there's just quiet as you try to figure it out. And then it says if you get in or you do not. And that is the entire process. Oh, and don't let me forget, once you're in, you can't summon your horse. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you can only heal a certain amount of times. And then if they die, you immediately go back to your world. Uh, obviously, if you die, you go back to your world, they stay in theirs. Just hearing, oh. just hearing it out loud makes my blood oh. boil. Like Let, one more thing, uh, until Dark Souls Three, you could not use voice chat at all. It's insane. You just it's had like... to mime to each other or hope that you had like a party going on back in like the 360 PS3 era. It's insane. It's like, and how they keep getting away with it. That's what makes me even angrier in a way. That is like. You're trying to make a multiplayer game and you make it the most obtuse 1990s like level of stupidity. It really does me. feel like that. You're like, all right, plug in your Ethernet cable, read off the IP address of your friend to the uh, thing. It's my gosh. But I... hey, hey, 10 out of 10, 96 Metacritic. So, but anyway, so we gave up of trying to do co-op. Uh, I was at that boss that you get at that castle in Kaelid and your way to, to fight the Radon, one of the most like what the internet says what the internet says like the hardest bo- one of Which the hardest bo- absolutely bo- true yes and uh, i got slaughtered by those two bosses that was basically the, this game's version of orstein and smog at least i feel it you're is. hyping it up and nobody knows who you're talking about because it's like the two big bosses were it is t- like an afterthought for most people compared to radon yes and then i only got to finally do it because i actually had to summon a random that it came in with a big sword because when you have to find that stupid giant with the big shield, it's very hard to get behind him because he has like phoenix uh, wings and a big tail, oh, dragon the, tail. The Crucible Knight. Yeah, the Crucible Knight. Yeah. So, but getting getting to that with the summon, I was like, okay, at least get this over with. And then I go there, and the um, the festival's not on, uh, but I see the guy that says there's gonna be a festival when the stars align. Oh, you know this big uh, warrior. That, uh, that that's a for that eg the big uh oh yeah yeah the the, the big what's what you call it the uh, the giant guy that follows uh Rena, Ren, mm-hmm. Rennie, yes Rennie. The, the big yeah. giant the big giant that's basically a a blacksmith so he's like yeah yeah tell him to go over there so i i thankfully because now they patch that you can see where you can go and find npcs after you met them i just fast travel there and talk with eg and he's like okay let's go to this uh, festival and then i fast travel back to the festival and then I start. I started the whole battle against Radon, which is in this big, insane-looking battlefield. That's like some of the most one of the most. It looks like striking. that um, reveal trailer for uh, Breath by, Birth by Sleep mm-hmm. when they had the Keyblade. The graveyard. Keyblade Graves. Yeah, it that absolutely. That was gonna be Kingdom Hearts three and all that. Anyway. And technically, you were in the Keyblade graveyard, but didn't live up to the hype, but. Yeah, so I immediately get there, and as soon as you get inside the battlefield, you get 
met with the equivalent of the Will Smith slap, which is like as soon as you get in, you get a um, you get sh shot from way across the yep. the map with like a big laser. And I started like trying to dodge, and there's like some summons that you can, like if you get all the NPCs that you meet, they you can actually summon all those NPCs to help you fight right. this battle. So it's very cool to be like, oh yeah, all NPCs go to battle. And as I was trying to summon one, I get I got my second shot, and I had forgotten to. He was like, okay, I got two shot by Radon. This is gonna go well. And then uh, as soon as I spot, I, I popped. I jumped into my horse, being like. Can I go there and just grab my runes and come back later and just just keep running? And that water is deep. You can't walk, run through water. And then it feels like, cool. I just left, lost 13k runes. That's cool. This is gonna go well. Then I go in my second time. I finally am able to dodge his big laser. Get all my summons ready. I go there and I one face kill Radon. And I told Paul that. And then he tells me he, it took him three days. And I was like, oh no. I Orstin and smog something again in the Souls game. Because <laughs> let me explain. Before everyone got to the very end with Millennia and all that, uh, Radon was the dude mm -hmm. that you had to like really worry about fights. I mean, it's kind of had three stages. It was Margit, mm -hmm. it was Radon, and then it was Not Millennia. And Millennia is um, a. It's a it's not even a main quest boss, right? Millennia is something that you can completely Apparently ignore. you have to fight someone that's similar, but Millennia is like one of the endings. If you've like chosen certain things to get you to that point, you mm -hmm. have to fight them. So you can avoid it if you know what to do, but most people did. Um, so yeah, anyway, Radon was the dude because he could move really fast. He could He's shoot like this giant moves. guy that's on top of like this tiny horse. He can Which, shoot you like stars with uh, with arrows and has like this massive area of attacks. And then at a certain point, he just goes into the sky and rides down a comet and just lands on you. That's the kind of boss that he is. He flies in like a predator missile kill streak in modern <laughs> warfare. Um, and it, he absolutely got me the first time when he jumped up, and I'm like, "What's Where going go? on? What's going on?" And I turn, and he's right here. <laughs> it's and hilarious because like, you just see it coming. <laughs> Oh man, I that was that was a traumatizing experience. But yes, I I kept trying to keep a distance and use my sorcery and whatnot. The problem is that you only have so much sorcery you can use before you're out. Mm -hmm. Um and then that's it and you just have to fight him hand to hand basically mm -hmm. and he's his swings and hit boxes are so confusing that mm -hmm. i just genuinely don't know where to block because he just kind of curls over you mm -hmm. and then you might get hit and you might not get hit and there's not really an indication of which and that's the, the thing that i was mentioning before that it just feels like there's something about the soul's philosophy that broke with some of these bosses that there was always a way for you to read what to do and what to expect and all enemies have all these many different moves with no rhyme or reason that is very hard to really especially if you're more of a sword and shield guy to really get a sense of when to dodge to what to what place what can be a good place for you to shield yourself it feels like it's more designed for spamming and that to me feels like a step back from dark souls and i just played dark souls and i went through that game just by being meticulous of actually okay this you can actually read what they're about to do. They overcomplicate it, but because you can spam it, but continue. It's really funny going back. Somebody clipped like the 
asylum demon from Dark Souls One, mm-hmm. and they put that next to like what you see with Margit and Radon, and it is like the easiest thing I've ever seen. I'm like, I didn't even realize it, but I've been conditioned mm-hmm. like some kind of super soldier to handle all of this ridiculous stuff with Elden Ring, and then I go back, and it's like, eh, eh, yeah. And I'm like, how did I die to this dude? Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I mean, it goes to show you after a while, I think problem, the problem that I see they had to f- try fixing is that everyone who beats those previous games just naturally gets better at reading things mm-hmm. and better at executing better with their hand-eye coordination. So you have to make it harder in some ways and more confusing, harder to read for that environment. And I think part of me thinks that they just didn't expect the kind of success that happens because all these people who've never played that they've never built up muscle memory they've never learned the things i'm not saying you should Mm -hmm. no one should have to do all that but i think they were trying to get to the point so many people being able to enjoy this game after playing all of those that to all these new people it is just confusing them because they don't know the rules to learn and then because they break those same rules Mm -hmm. there's no understanding of like there's no basis there's no foundation but then at the same time so many people have clicked with this one that never clicked with that other one that well, i think it... that's just because all the other areas of the game it's mm-hmm. so good that it outweighs the fact that their bosses kind of break all of their rules um and then because there's so many options to either circumvent the boss entirely or to fight it in a certain way that lets you win uh also all the ways you could just literally break the game and because it's a single player game they're like eh all right that's fine apparently they buffed and debuffed a bunch of stuff with the new patch yeah. so i have to go um, through it apparently it's big i have to read i hope my I... blood fang i hope i hope my bloodhound fang which is my curved sword that i've been using since find out that i had it there i was like oh shoot this is like the strength of a great sword would bleed inherent to it i i am worried myself uh the more you've talked about it because if they're like they've started meddling with the balancing of certain weapons and sorceries and stuff and Mm -hmm. in a certain case i'm like okay i get it if you just didn't plan for something to have this kind of effect or there's like a bug that you didn't expect but then now it's like oh too many people are using this one spell we're just going to nerf it into the ground so you have to play other things that's like going against the very things that you created this game to be able to do apparently they did that with uh, a strategy people are using for millennia I saw that. I, I was like, oh, the, cool. the swarm of flies or whatever. I don't. I haven't even experienced that spell yet, so I wasn't going to probably. Um, but I think it's because it does really good homing damage, and not a lot of spells do that. I mean, that's one of the biggest downsides to my build is if something can get around you, uh, there's nothing I can do about it. But yeah, I yeah, it's. I don't really agree with their philosophy on that because it's like you you built the game guys just just let people just let it enjoy be. it mm-hmm. let people do their thing I mean that's why people love Fallout and all of those games because they still have to this day all the ways you can break it good lord I mean Skyrim you can break that game for all these times and, and all of the ways they have re-released the game they have kept every single one of those ways you can make that money and the skills and whatever exactly the same they don't want people to have to play the way they wanted to they just said hey we made a sandbox go have fun man we need to bring sack i really want to hear like how he's been playing like because we broke sack and he actually got this game and he's actually gotten pretty 
adapt that, and teaching stuff. That was probably the biggest shock to me. And I think we were talking about it on our voice chat last uh-huh. night. I was like, we just because we were talking about it made him go get it and now he's hooked on it as a newcomer to the series and he's doing really well mm-hmm. um to the point that i'm like wait you got where now and he just he's building his own builds he created a batman character mm-hmm. that which punches. is hilarious i hope he posts a video they post he That's posted to genuine, us like the one that he sent us is yeah. fantastic playing the the, the, batman, the batman soundtrack <laughs> he's got the the explosive powder he's got the punches he's got like throwing knives he's and it's back in black it's you know, with like the 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 makeup of the Batson. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's and it's it just built. It's it's just hilarious that video because it just builds the music and he was able to like he, perfectly he cor- to choreograph <laughs> that really well. Um, but yeah, Paul, so yeah. I beat Bradan in too, so I'm gonna rub that in for a little bit. <laughs> and I even try to put it in the in the channel. Unfortunately, I have to re-edit it because the clip. Here's something that I really hate about like capturing clips with uh, the PS5. Yeah. If your controller is not muted, it's, it's gonna listen to everything. Oh so, yeah. That whole they, they later have that video where I'm finding Rodan. You can hear me smacking the sticks, the buttons, everything. That is. Well, just- at least <laughs> you don't like shout or say anything um that would get you in trouble yeah. um because some people will do that i mean uh it happened in a comedic way on accident when i sent you that video of yeah. me dropping in in the tunnel and turning around to see this like demon with white glowing eyes uh-huh. and i go good, good lord, lord before it kills me <laughs> um yeah. and i didn't even realize my mic was on but it was great so overall though i totally agree with you because it's really frustrating mm-hmm. and especially if you've been playing and having a conversation especially one that might be personal mm-hmm. without and realizing there, uh-huh. it and if you're playing with like other people then they're hearing all of that so i i wish there was like a better way to do that and i understand that they were like oh we want people to be able to play even if they don't have a microphone it's like well yeah it's terrible quality and it just is really invasive in the process yeah <laughs> But yeah, it's um, I was yeah, two days ago. I was ready to uninstall this with the game breaking bug, and now I'm in again. So we got you. And it got me it's back. It's time for you to switch over to that. Need to switch over to Horizon whenever that's back. And yeah, uh, oh yeah, whip, sw- yeah, whip, swing back because yeah. I was in Horizon. You were in Elden Ring. So I know. Unfortunately, you at least platinumed Horizon. I still haven't finished Elden Ring, no. but it's just so big of a game that I'm I just spending. know that I'm never platinuming Elden Ugh. Ring, so that takes a little no. weight out of, of my shoulder. So, and I only see you only platinum like five games. So I was like, if we, that, honestly. yes, we did good with our arrangement because I'm the trophy guy. So you are, and I'm not. <laughs> yes, but hey, that's how we play more games. Uh, but enough of the games we're playing. We got a surprisingly shocking baby of news after yeah. we in our private chat yesterday. We're like. I don't think we'll have much to talk about news-wise. And then when I was compiling, I was like, we got food to eat. So, Paul, press X. To play. For some news. Oh, yeah. (laughs) For some news. All right. I forgot about that one. Exactly. That's the second week in a row. Second week in a row you've done that. (laughs) Straight into the gutter. Yes. All right. All right. Number one. Back in 2017, gaming was dealt a huge blow when EA closed down longtime Dead Space developer Visceral Games. 
which led to the cancellation of the much-anticipated Star Wars game, codenamed Project Ragtag, directed by longtime Uncharted creator Amy Hennig. Since then, Hennig kept a low profile before slowly coming back into the spotlight with writer credits on the upcoming Forspoken and a new Marvel game she's headlining with Skydance New Media. Today, Skydance announced she's going to be extra busy, as Hennig is returning to the Star Wars universe with a new game. Build us a new cinematic action-adventure game featuring an original story set in the Star Wars universe, this entitled new Star Wars game should give Amy the opportunity to finally play in a universe she says shaped the way her mind thinks about storytelling. Hennig's last release game was 2011's Uncharted 3 Grace Deception on PlayStation 3. Five years later, Paul, everything is good in this world again. The cancellation of Project Ragtag in 2017 was one of the most hurtful things that happened that year if you were into gaming, especially with Star Wars. Yes. Because and, and on top of that, it, it was canceled and EA put out a statement being like, yeah, this game was a single player experience, blah, 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 blah. Like they were saying that we're trying to like move it into like a more online centric, blah, 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 all this bullshit. And that was before the whole fiasco that happened with Battlefront 2 that completely upended everything about EA around that time. That that I was like, man, if only they could have hold on. Because then two years later, we got uh, Jedi Fallen Order, which was the kind of game this could have been, in a way, because Jedi Fallen Order was a, was a lightsaber game, and this one was going to be more Uncharted. It was by the Uncharted director. Even Northern North was going to be the main character here. Yeah. I, oh, this... So Project Ragtag was like the in-the-wings kind of hope. Mine was still like... 1313 uh back mm -hmm. when that was a thing but i i just gaming lately has been an area where star wars is super lacking mm -hmm. um and i mean that's obvious it's saying water is wet at this point because uh as many know but if anybody doesn't uh ea got the exclusive rights to play uh, to create all video games for made 10 by star years. wars for 10 years thanks to disney's buyout and uh then they put out uh a shooter a, a sequel to that shooter and uh jedi fallen order and that was it i think and squadrons oh yeah and squadrons which oh that one's kind of unfortunately dead on arrival mm -hmm. it survived for like a week but man it had some love to it i could talk about that game so we mm -hmm. won't um then the announcement train of like five different games all made by ea and then the subsequent canceling and shutting down of the studios surrounding them the battlefront uh, spin-off the uh, the taking of what was project ragtag that was going to be an open world game that got canceled yep. what was and the one in um the old republic era or was that Project Ragtag? There was another uh, one that was like in the middle section. Yeah, that, Rag, yeah. you can include Ragtag in there because Ragtag was going to be like in between episodes three and four and it was going to be a scoundrel game. Okay, so that was still... Okay, yeah. Yes, um, uh, but yeah, they had a lot of stuff that was going on and they literally just canceled all of it slowly every couple of years or whatever. So the fact that this is coming back and the same lady who created Uncharted and was going to do one of those projects is actually doing this makes... All of us very happy, and that's why this is such a big deal. And then I specifically mentioned it's going to be a cinematic action-adventure game. That's basically Uncharted. Yes. That's literally I, Uncharted. I don't care what it is. The Star Wars universe, as we have already said, is ripe for so many different options in gaming. It is built so good for it. It is such a great world-building created piece. And because, think about it this way, like, the original Star Wars in 77 begot Raiders of the Lost Ark in 1980. 
and Raiders of the Lost Ark begot Uncharted. So it's yep. like, it's it, we've, makes we've come sense. full circle, and I mean that was George Lucas's mind as well, mm-hmm. creating that one. And um, man, God bless that man for creating such two wonderful places. Even though he has a few few screws loose here and there, absolutely um, love yeah. you, George Lucas. For whatever reason, if you're listening to this podcast, I would love to get coffee with you one day. I don't think you have screws. Yeah, thank you for always giving us like poetry. It rhymes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> um, gosh, yeah. I so. I'm really interested to see if Hennig still has it in her because she really hasn't put out a game in 10 years plus. That, that's because, what I was wondering. Because remember, she was working on the original version of Uncharted 4, and then she had a creative she had creative differences with the lead, with the heads of Naughty Dog uh, about like how the project was coming together and how they were trying to. She was trying to apparently do something different than the other Uncharted because it was like this is the fourth one we have to switch it up a little bit. Yeah. And then we don't know what happened, but then she left Naughty Dog. People say right. she was fired. So, so that's um that's one of the things that I've learned a lot in the media industry where you, you hear the word creative differences and that just sounds like a very um put a nice little bow on a really messy situation because creative mm-hmm. differences can mean literally anything and the fact that she hasn't really done anything after that for a while had me a, it's, honestly I'm still a little nervous because I'm yeah. like sometimes you can have a really great writer and they decide to take a different approach that you really don't like mm-hmm. personally so I, I still have in the back of my uh, back of my mind my fingers crossed is like I really hope it's good. I really hope it's good, but I mm. don't know anymore. Um, and I just, I want new Star Wars. I want good written Star yes. Wars. And that's the thing, like, I sh- nothing she's ever written has ever been, like, bad writing. It's yeah. about being, like, the game being made. So the thing is that it's always shocks me that so much flag was put on her because she had a small team after Uncharted 3 shipped and Last of Us was being made and that was being finished. That took a bunch of extra people from her team that was like in Uncharted 4 pre-production to just get Last of Us out the door in 2013. Then apparently when they went back to that project, the project wasn't coming together and apparently Sony was like demanding that that game needed to come out because the PS4 had no games early on. We talked about that. Yeah. That apparently like uh, she wasn't able to like make the decisive decisions that needed to be made for the game to come out. And that's where the creative differences happen and then they split. And that's when they brought Neil Druckmann and... Uh, Bruce Straley, the guys that made Uncharted 2 with Hainig. Hainig was the creative director. They actually were game directors there and they did Last of Us. They were going to go on vacation. Then the Naughty Dog president was like, guys, we need help. Please, we need to get this game out the door. And the plan originally was that they were just going to steer the ship, give it to another director, and they were going to bounce. But then they got so deep that they were like, no, we got we to gotta see this project through. And when you play Uncharted 4, there is no science at all other than tone that yeah, that no. game was troubled like no sign in the absolute the, like in the absolute minimum when you told me that it was such a troubled um development uh that was like still when i was getting into the knowledge of like mm-hmm. behind the scenes of that, that and i was like i wouldn't have known if you hadn't told me at all the game um, is so exquisitely tell, but... yeah that uncharted 4 is so exquisitely crafted it's like it's so polished it's so well written that yep. the fact that they had to salvage the project and try to do that in like two years with like all that was done and try to like rejigger like apparently Scotland was going to be part of Amy Hennig's Uncharted 4 uh, Libertalia was also part of that so they had to like reshuffle and just do a bunch of extra stuff for when it makes a lot more sense because as we know there's kind of one 
real environment mm -hmm. um and i mean like scotland was for just one mission barely and then it was like all libertalia madagascar. And you go to madagascar yeah, Mad and then libertalia that's true madagascar still felt like they kind of had you on a leash still because of the plot but then it's libertalia is like the big focus it's like so nine chapters like, oh, in libertalia literally. Yeah. literally so it always made me wonder i was like man uncharted is known for like several very long segments in different areas what happened um because it's only like a couple of smaller areas of different places and then just one big one but that was like the only indication that i was like hey what happened guys that that's not right um but, but even again, then everything was so and again like uncharted for my um my qualms aside it's an excellent game so they yeah. were able to pull that up together then after when ain't uh, when Amy Hennig left, that's when she went immediately to Visceral to go work on Star Wars. Unfortunately, when the Star Wars project got off, off the ground, they moved her to Battlefield Hardline because they needed something in the campaign side. So that so Hardline finally came together and was shipped in 2015, and then they uh, they finally could focus on Star Wars for like the next two years. But EA wasn't giving them the resources. They were asking them, "How are you going to implement your version of EA Ultimate Team?" from fifa to this a single player game oh. like the suits were like the money suits were asking oh, yeah. and they were like we need this game to be better than uncharted 4 but you're not getting the resources to do a game better than uncharted 4 so it's like everything was just against the grain with e the kind of developer ea was the kind of director amy hannig was with the kind of resources she used to work with that then that project never came together and then ea was like visceral you're out then she was out for like three, four years until we learned that she had written credits in Forspoken. I'm hoping it's not the cursing. And uh, she is uh, doing the Marvel game where rumors is that she's probably doing Daredevil. According to like uh, some very sneaky uh, leaks over in 4chan that people are saying were live, but that same leak revealed Wolverine and nobody... Uh, Okay. And we got Wolverine with it for Insomniac. So it's like, hmm, there may be some truth to this. And now she's doing Star Wars. I hope Skyden's new media brings in the proper talent to do that kind of game. Because above all of this, not only has to be written good, it has to be good as a game. It does. I, and nowadays, especially with people's expectations of Star Wars being both really low and really high simultaneously, because. They just haven't done very well in most places, but that means that everything else that comes out after that has the burden of what came before it mm -hmm. to actually follow through with what people see as Star Wars now. And the problem is Star Wars can be anything, so everyone expects everything from it. Yeah, and now we can just <laughs> add this other Star Wars thing to a list that includes a Jedi Fallen Order oh, sequel, yeah. the Star Wars first-person shooter, also from Respawn, Star Wars Eclipse that may come out in 2028, probably the uh, this action adventure game from by Skyness new media the story driven open world game by ubisoft and kotor remake we already got a, a lego star wars uh there's still a bunch of star wars that's coming up for people that say that it's been driven into the ground look at the last 10 years before you even say anything to before you say any bullshit about star wars being run into the ground it hasn't in the game side in fact we've been starving we should have gotten more yeah. Yes. Uh, we I'm happy we with... should have gotten way more. So this is, I agree. This exactly. is where we need to hopefully have a new renaissance with Star Wars games. But it's Marvel being right into the ground. We can have a different conversation Ooh, there. No, that's in, a in day for that. Yes. Yeah, so. <laughs> Number two, Paul. 
Is a sequel to The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild actually a game for Nintendo's next generation hardware? Some comments made by recent tech experts suggest it may be based on the quick glimpse of new footage shown in the video announcing the 2023 delay. According to Digital Foundry, which by the way, if you ever want to see like real technical breakdowns of resolution, frame rates and stuff, or texture work, the technical side of video games, these are the guys for you to go. It's, it's more than me. Like, I don't even want to watch it most of the time. But if you really like that, that is the place to go. Yes. Especially, it's a good place to go if you have both consoles and you want to see which one runs better or looks better. True. So, so according to the three main hosts there, Richard Ledbetter, Alex Battaglia, and John Lineman, they went over some details that suggest the game is not running in current Switch hardware, noting a way sharper image with cleaner, more complete asset detail compared to the original game. So, apparently, like, if you look like Link looks very clean compared to how jacked he looks in the yeah. in Breath of the Wild, the cloud formation suggests that there's more CPU computing that you usually would expect. Oh. The scale, so it was like, hmm... And then one host suggested it may be a sign of Nintendo just releasing a higher quality trailer for promotional uh, purposes. So you think they doctored it? Others noted, Nintendo has never in its history released a doctored game trailer that misrepresents the game they sell. Okay. So so the question is, either Nintendo is pulling shocking miracles to make a better looking Zelda game in the ancient Switch tech, or we're finally glimpsing what Nintendo games will look like on a brand new, more powerful Switch. Remember last year, prior to the OLED new Nintendo Switch reveal, there were rumors of the more powerful version of the machine being close to release after extensive reporting from official sources, and while Nintendo's denied existence of said hardware, this new Zelda footage plus the surprisingly clean look for the new Mario and Rabbids may suggest otherwise. And we and we already passed the Switch's 5-year lifespan. Until then, we'll have to hear what Nintendo says as we get closer to the game's release in 2023. Just as a tangent, do you remember the Mario Rabbids 2 trailer? I do. That but thing I don't remember was a, much about it. That thing was surprisingly pretty. Hmm. That again, people were like, "Hmm." At that point, the Switch Pro at yeah. the time were rumors, and they were like, "This looks surprisingly pretty for a Switch game." Hmm. I. You know what? You're you're starting to make a lot more sense because I'm remembering like even at its best, Breath of the Wild had that jagged edge mm -hmm. um, on everything, and that's why their style had to be like that. But the the Breath of the Wild trailers were very clean, so that's why I was thinking they were just cinematics rather than in in engine, mm -hmm. um, where you can get like the cleanness of it. But, but even then, like the cinematics uh, that were in trailers prior to the game's release, those looked exactly the same in the Switch version and even the wii u version because remember this was a wii u game also man i i want to think anything because nintendo is capable of anything mm -hmm. from really blowing us away with ancient hardware to also being really sketchy about certain things mm -hmm. so uh, my gut reaction is this is definitely just new switch hardware and they're going to reveal it at some point either next year or at the end of the year yeah because think about it like the switch is already five years old a normal console cycle is five years if not six or seven the switch yeah. hardware is older tech than the xbox one 2013's yep. xbox one so Jeez. honestly it kind of surprises me how old the switch really is because we just you don't think about it until you pull yourself back and go, oh man, this has been a long time since this came out. Um, March 3rd, 2017. 2017, and that's 
five years. Five years, years yeah. Mm-hmm. Why did I just question that? We just talked yep. about it being five years. <laughs> uh, anyway. Your mind is always like, it's a it's a perpetual case of Alzheimer. With it's, you. <laughs> it's on the next, it's on to the next thing, man, because I can yeah. only process so much. <laughs> Uh, so yeah. That's I, why I would believe, like, obviously they were like, there's no Switch Pro, but it's like, okay, if there's no Switch Pro, maybe there's a next Switch. So. I, I don't, I just don't want to have to buy a new thing. That's my thing. <laughs> that's my thing. When I heard that, that was like the, 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 the red flags started waving, the alarm bell started swinging, because I was like, the Switch, I barely play other than for the big games. Anyway, that is like, yeah. I would hope, if this is true, if what these guys like the analysis is true, mm-hmm. that we're gonna see another Twilight Princess and Breath of the Wild scenario, a double release, mm-hmm. because Twilight Princess was both a Wii and GameCube game. Yeah. The original Breath of the Wild was a was a Switch and, and Wii U game. So. But uh, I mean, so like the Breath of the Wild looks like it performs well enough on the wii u because uh my wife's grandfather actually plays it like mm-hmm. to this day um and that's where and i played it originally in the wii u. um and it looks great it plays fine but just like you're saying this is gonna have a lot of upgraded potential and power and i'm worried that the switch is gonna get left in the dust in the process and not run very well. and the thing especially with zelda in particular hyrule warriors on 3ds if you had a normal 3ds that game was garbage it barely ran but if you had the new 3ds that game ran nobody fine. bought <laughs> yeah it's but for the few that did that was a nice piece of hardware and it ran fine so it's like there's been like Nintendo in specific cases has made a version that barely runs because you can make it run well in a new machine. Yeah. In that case, it was a spin off in the handheld, but Nintendo's Nintendo and Nintendo's the worst most of the time. So yeah. I just hope not. And I, and if anything, I just hope that if it's actually a, a double release, that the uh, Switch version at the very least is competent enough for me to like just barely enjoy it. If I can, and it just like if it works, I'm just getting it for the Switch, yeah. and then I'm gonna wait till like a Christmas and a couple of years and hope mm-hmm. for the best. Yeah, I bought my Switch a year and a half after launch, so I didn't buy any new. Oh, game. you have even less time with it then. Mm-hmm. Exactly, so that's why it feels weird. But well, we'll see. We could have gotten that game this year, but <laughs> we'll, the, we'll delay, the delay the kind of being like, hmm, it pushes uh, it out. I'll, I'll take the polish, I guess. Yeah, so number three, Paul. The bad news train doesn't seem to leave the station for CD Projekt Red. Speaking of polish, huh? Yes. <laughs> In a recent financial call with investors, the company outlined their long-term content plans for this year and beyond, and they don't sound too enticing. Other than the announcement that the confirmation of what we heard two or three weeks ago about the new Witcher game being done on Unreal Engine 5, the planned expansion for the travel Cyberpunk 2077 has been delayed out of 2022 and will release sometime in the vague release window in 2023. Those, so just note, almost three years since the original game's original launch on December 10th, 2020. Keeping the bad news rolling, the Witcher 3 Next Generation port has been further delayed into later in 2022, with CD Projekt Red emphasizing they're taking the port in-house and away from Saber Interactive who were handling the port. The company cited quality concerns, but considering Saber Interactive is a Russian studio, considering the current happenings with said country, one can also infer they took the project away for understandable political reasons. 
Also note they were one of the first studios to ban sales of their products when the armed conflict happened, to be fair. With all this said, prepare for a relatively quiet year on the CD Projekt front, following the release of their next-gen version of Cyberpunk 2077, back in the bloodbath of February. Well, um... <laughs> honestly, I didn't make the connection to the, uh, the... The, the the big R studio, uh -huh. um, so that that makes a little bit more sense. Mm -hmm. um, I'm I'm one of those people where it's like if it's not connected to the government itself, um, I feel a little bad for all those people because they didn't have anything to do with all of this. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's like, what can you do? CDPR just keeps doing stuff. It's like y'all just come back in more years. I mean, I said this back in like. 2021 i think whereas like just come back when you have it and we're here two years later still saying just come back when you have it yeah <laughs> and they're still delaying things the witcher 3 stuff apparently isn't doing well enough but like uh, if witcher 3 wasn't polished enough as it was um why do y'all have high enough quality concerns that you're taking away from another development company mm -hmm. this is yeah just... i believe it's more the political side than just the because i'm like saver is usually they port a bunch of stuff that's like their specialty and to me it's insane that this was a port that was supposed to come out late last year and now they're right. bringing it in-house for quality concerns look cdpr has gotten raked into the coal like through the coals they've been hanged they've had their balls cut out and fed to them They've had everything bad happen to them after what happened with uh, Cyberpunk. So, so it's like, I don't think any other company has been like raked more about quality than they have been after Cyberpunk. And I don't think everyone would actually blame them to be like, okay, take your time to actually get it right. Yeah. The problem is that now it's like just in the context, it's like you were so screwed up quality wise that now your expansion for that game is like, three years removed from when you originally launched it is like will people even care by then we had expansions two expansions for witcher 3 within the year so it's like they really have they're icarus they're icarus they're, they're, they're literally icarus their fire has fallen down in such a way that it's just sad to see it's like yeah just keep delaying and delaying and now they have to because they can't have another quality debacle after cyberpunk so it's it's just a messy situation and i think they've missed their opportunity so unless they do the entire no man's sky process where they the only thing they talk about is when they drop something new and say hey it's free bye we're mm. gonna work on the next thing and then just stop talking to everybody until the next thing is ready and done the the no man's sky outlaws thing i was like oh okay so that was the reveal trailer when does that come out and they were like oh it came out already what like mm -hmm. that's that's how you need to do this when you have your pr team uh, your image that far in the gutter mm -hmm. you just need to only give yeah and then disappear and don't promise and don't promise and having to talk yeah and i feel now cdpr is probably not really regretting having gone public because these oh, all came absolutely. out during the finance because they had to tell their investors this is what's happening they can't remain quiet but by doing this they just keep showing a level of incompetence that wasn't there before so i don't want to even call it incompetence and more so inexperience with this kind of game making process that 
is just really shooting themselves in the foot. They just didn't do the homework beforehand, and now this is the results of that. Yeah, they they just learned the wrong lessons from Witcher 3, a game that was kind of buggy early on, but not in the cyberpunk level. Yeah. But um, they just they got their, their status raised by that game, and then, just like Icarus, they fell. So, can't wait to play Cyberpunk in 2023 when this new DLC happens, because then I'll just eat it all together. Yep. <laughs> so, Number four, Paul. This is for me. Is Kojima Productions the next studio PlayStation is acquiring for their first party portfolio? Probably not. It would appear the answer is complicated, actually. Sometime last week, <laughs> PlayStation provided an updated banner with their logo and images of games they, that make up their first party lineup. And curiously, that stranding was included in that banner despite the game being developed in a second party capacity between PlayStation and the new, and the new version of Kojima Productions. Of course, the flames were stoked when the continuous threat to society, Hideo Kojima, tweeted said banner with no words, sending the internet on a phrase. That's why he's a threat. He just literally yeah. tweeted the picture and then everyone was like, that image of Sponge of the million Spongebobs in fire. That's it's like back when uh, Sakurai couldn't tweet anything without mm -hmm. people thinking it was a reveal for like the next Smash character. This is, yeah. this is like that. <laughs> it's literally that. Kojima moments later followed up his wordless tweet, writing, It sounds misleading, but Koji Pro has been and will continue to be an independent production studio. Curiously, these were the same words Bluepoint Games posted when PlayStation's Japan Twitter tweeted Wait, really? The, yeah, when, when PlayStation's Japan's Twitter tweeted the wrong welcome image the day Sony announced Housemark's acquisition. And we know months later, they were acquired by Sony, so... Is the same situation happening here? Okay, so remind me. I could have sworn we heard that Kojima Productions is working on something for Xbox. Yeah, that's why, that's why I wanted to like open the conversation here. Okay, yeah. There was apparently a letter of intent that Kojima may be wanting to do something with Xbox because of their cloud infrastructure. And he has an idea of what he wants to do with a game with a cloud because his mind is weird. He loves... He loves uh, and he clearly has something going on in the right direction for that. Exactly, so... That's just intent, and a letter of intent is not like, we have signed the papers, this is official. We intend and maybe officializing this. Okay, That's yeah, what a yeah. letter of intent is. At the same time, we also live in this mergers and acquisition consolidation area of everyone gobbling up everything. You know they're trying to, that's for yeah. sure. Remember what happened with Bungie? Uh, yeah, because Sony bought them. <laughs> yeah, but what did Bungie say specifically after being bought? Oh, I have no idea what. Okay, what yeah, say. because your because your mind is like a complete. <laughs> My mind brain didn't fart. even register that they managed to be bought by Sony and still remain independent. Ah, uh, so could this? Well, wait. So, do you think that's going to be the case? Because what's the point of acquiring them if they can do like Kojima and money. just go make something for Xbox? Money. But is that even like okay? So then put it on Sony's side. Is it because they want to say they own the company that Kojima created? I feel, I feel this is the um, probably kind of how you sniff away all the bolters that is the uh, FTC and all these like antitrust people. Oh. That uh, I feel, especially after the Activision acquisition, that is like. You've just seen Microsoft be like, don't worry, Call of Duty is going to be in everything. And games that make sense in a case-by-case -case basis that are like multiplayer, so that there's not like a stifling of a competition and blah blah blah. And Sony yeah. immediately they bought Bungie and be like, hey, we're not taking Destiny 2 away from Xbox or any future game that they do. They want the multi-platform. Yep, we just yeah, we just own them. So 
I do wonder if maybe that was the because they want to guarantee maybe like just putting tinfoil hats here I'm bringing it back in after the whole abandon fiasco um, probably like Sony really just wants Kojima there because they know Kojima is like so intrinsically tied to PlayStation at the same time they know that um, one thing Kojima really hurt under Konami was that he felt stifled in creativity by being just by owned by Konami so they'd probably be like, we can own you and, be, and fund you, but you can do whatever you want. We'll sell everything you sell, we get the money from. Maybe that's the play, if this actually ends up being true. It's just so funny that... Why would they put Death Stranding in the banner? Yeah. Those are all, all those games are in, the, in that banner. We're first-party games. Why Until did House... they keep doing this? Yeah. You would think they learned their lesson from Housemark. Yes, but it, because it was like... Um, in how when, when they did Housemark, they, they finally added, added Celine from from Returnal. Yeah. When finally Blue Point was put in, they added the Demon Souls thing. Oh, Blue Point, that's what I was saying. Yeah, Blue Point. The one that yeah. like got leaked, I mean, cuz like Yeah, the Blue Point was just a mistake by Japan. <laughs> that like okay, that was clearly happening in the background. Somebody made it before it was mm -hmm. ready and then did this. Like this feels like that same energy of like hey guys, this is uh why is this happening unless you are actually moving forward with all this, you know? Mhm. Mm I don't know. It's like it's just. And remember, there's rumors that there's a there's a de, uh, there's a Death Stranding too apparently being in the concept because even uh, Norman Reedus said that he was told to be ready to reprise the role. He said it just that seems so weird because I wouldn't even think that I shoot. Uh, if you want to continue that process and add stuff to the concept of Death Stranding, I'm all for it. Mm -hmm. um, but. I mean, beyond, hey, fix the world now, not just America. Um, that's all I can think of. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know in what way you could do a sequel to Death Stranding, especially if it's very close-ended, how it ends. Yeah, it's it's very, so, uh, like, feeds in on itself process. Mm -hmm, exactly. So. Self-contained, there it is. Yeah, but I don't know. I would say that Kojima Productions would be like a, a level of studio in the same way that Housemark and Bluepoint was that they've worked with Sony so many times and they're so associated with that that you might as well just put the finger. Basically. In the ring. Yeah, the ring and the finger. The finger uh, on the ring. Yeah, I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's like, okay, I see. Whether it is or not, it's just interesting that this happened that now like we can study patterns last time something got leaked someone said no we're still independent and then we saw what happened so i'm curious yeah. I, I will say this um one thing why bungie really wanted to be uh with sony was her movie division kojima is everything but a director a director of a movie and his games are basically movies that's a good maybe, point maybe they're gonna like go with the whole hey you uh, we know you have very high cinematic ambitions we have sony pictures be with us You'll have your creative freedom, but you'll get to do Sony Pictures. Please write us a good Spider-Man movie. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh, like... you you know a Spider-Man movie written by Hideo Kojima would be the most bat crap insane nonsense you've ever seen. Oh, yes. <laughs> anyway, that was just like a weird moment that I just had this thought of Spider-Man doing something weird, like Absolutely. trying to connect to an umbilical cord. Yeah. Yeah, so let's move on. <laughs> Umbilical cord or a web or or a web shooter. So stay in the Sony side. Number five, Paul. It seems Sucker Punch is ready to wind down its support for its critically and fan beloved Ghost of Tsushima. 
According to IGN, after nearly two years, Sucker Punch released what is ostensibly their final planned patch for the title and is said to not be actively working on the game anymore because they are now full steam ahead working on their next unannounced project, which one could assume is Ghost of Tsushima 2 based on the first game's immense commercial success. Sucker Punch has usually been a studio focusing on one franchise at a time and in their PlayStation era because they did a game on the N64 before moving to PlayStation. Um, they worked on three uh, Sly Cooper games before moving to Infamous, where they did three of those and two small standalone titles before moving to Ghost of Tsushima. Unless they changed their modus operandi and their next game is something different, Tsushima did take the studio close to six years to make, expect more ghosts for the foreseeable future. This is in the no-brainer. I One could have expected maybe them releasing Ghost of Tsushima Legends meant that they were gonna be focusing on that for a little while, but it's it was never a live service. It's a game I am kind of surprised, honestly, because uh, they dropped that and then like that was kind of it. Um, but it I, was also free and it wasn't monetizable. So oh yeah, absolutely. It was just such a weird thing to put so much effort into, you know, um, because it had like its own concept, it had its own plot line. I was like, this could have been its own game, guys. Like this I'll is say, impressive. I'll say good for them for dropping it for free on Ghost of Tsushima because yeah. it already made the value proposition of that game, which its campaign's massive, especially if you do everything and platinum it. I'm I'm phrasing it so much more negatively than I see it as uh, for sure because like that the Legends was amazing and I played it for several weeks. Um, Confession, with my friends. I never played it. I, I would really recommend trying it. I have it like, installed still in my PS5 because I haven't well, finished Ikishima either. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Honestly, uh, most of my love for Ikishima was because it added more cosmetic items, and mm -hmm. I could not tell you much of what happened in that yeah. story. Remember, um, I feel Ghost of Tsushima, to me, is probably a victim of that point in my life where I was just absolutely, utterly fatigued by open worlds. Even that though was I platinum, Horizon, yeah. so yeah, we're but, good. But he was, I still managed to platinum it. It was like the one open world game that year, other than Miles Morales, because that was a more compact experience in Spider-Man. Yeah. I'll always make exception for superheroes that I was able to finish. So I was like, thinking about it, I was like, should I go back to it? Because I like it. I like, that's a game that is like, I really like this. Yeah. I don't love this, but I really like it enough. It's beautiful. It's fun to play. But it's like, it, it doesn't have kind of like that eminence of something like Horizon for me that I absolutely love this. That really like pulled pull me in. And I, sometimes with Tsushima, I would only play it for like 30 minutes to one hour at a time. But even then I still managed to platinum it. It still had in the, that, that dead cell in my brain that is like, just shut your brain off and just could do this. It, it was satisfying that way. So I have to go back to that. I, again, like I'm bouncing off of games. It's like I need to finish Ikishima because I did like what I saw from that. But I, I have gotten you to retry or say you will retry three separate games from No Man's Sky, mm -hmm. Elden Ring, and now this. So yeah, Elden Ring. I say this is a victory yeah. today. <laughs> I'll say this. I'm noticing, especially um, after Horizon, going to that. It's not that I. I'm not sick of open world games. It seems like I'm down for an open world game as long as it's not bloated and uh, it's interesting enough. Which is yeah. understandable because yeah. sometimes Ghost Tsushima absolutely it can be feel bloated because mm -hmm. of the side content, but the world, the beauty, the the mechanics hold it up for me. But also aesthetic, obviously, because I'm such an aesthetic slot. Exactly, you're <laughs> the aesthetic slot for the samurai and the aesthetic slot for sci-fi for weird sci-fi and. Uh, 
makes weird sci-fi for sure. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, and that's but, what Horizon yeah. is for me. It's like mixing primitive stuff with robots. That's like weird sci-fi. So I may go back to that. I mean, there's nothing to buy right now, so th- this is the time for the backlog. But I really have to like yeah. suck it up and finish Elden Ring now that I'm back in. When I said I wasn't, so. And can't wait to see whenever we hear what's next for the Sucker Punch. I wouldn't be surprised if they actually break modus operandi. Because working six years in one project when... In in that in the time frame, they work on Tsushima, they work on all the Infamous trilogy, just for context. I See, I wouldn't even blame them if they just wanted a palate cleanser before they jump back in. Because if you keep working on only the one thing, that's when things get a little stale. Mm-hmm. So I'd be like, hey, I'm going to live for like at least a few more years, I think. I can I yeah. can wait for them to do something else and then come back to the Ghost of Tsushima franchise. Especially because they said that before Tsushima, they settled on Tsushima, their intended project was like a steampunk thing. So Really? Yeah. Wow. So, who knows? Whatever they've got, I'm I'm ready for yeah. it. All right. <laughs> Number six, Paul. This is for our friend PJ. Yes. The, our guested radio and crazy taxi making a comeback. It seems the long-running, yeah. long-forgotten <laughs> series may be returning, but not the way some long-time fans may have wanted. According to Bloomberg, Sega Sammy is planning on inducting the series under their new Super Game Initiative, which is their attempt at making their games into Fortnite-style long-tailed service games. Well, whether that means these games are embracing elements of the Fortnite model, including free-to-play, cross-platform games that allows for live events like concerts, remains to be seen. Considering Sega Sammy has been bleeding some money after the lack of revenue for their tried-and-true arcade division, where they announced they were moving away from it after close to 56 years in the business, this pivot makes sense for the company, even if it's a far cry for the more traditional entries fans may have wanted considering how long it's been dormant. We're talking decades of dormancy here. Crazy Taxi, that's a basically a very, that's a very arcade game. Oh, yeah. That's, that's the best place to attempt that. Zach said it the best where it was like, it's best played in an arcade and mm-hmm. that's about it. Yeah, especially because if you're with the wheels and all that, you get to immerse yourself in that craziness. Oh, yeah. Jet Set Radio, you can see some um, some influence of Jet Set Radio in games like Sunset Overdrive, Marvel oh, yes. Spider-Man, kind of like that stylish, like moving quickly kind of thing. I played Jet Set Radio Future on the original Xbox. It came with my Xbox with Sega GT 2002 and Jet Set Radio was like a two-pack. That was it an was, era yeah. I wish I was part of so mm-hmm. much. It was interesting. Oh. It's like it has the uh, Jet Set Radio Future has the kind of art style that would have spoken to you. That cell shade, that that hyper stylized cell shaded. I style. see it. Like I. Because that was one of the ones that was like, if you had an Xbox, you were like the cool slash rich kid. Because all of the rest of us had either a GameCube or a PS2. Mm-hmm. But like, if you had the Xbox, that was the one for like all the M rated games. Yeah. Like, obviously, that's a bit of a misnomer, but, but that it was, was what it, you it was more. It yeah. The big games that were there were the M rated games. Yeah. Um, and my goodness, I remember like my friend just offloading this giant VCR looking device with the green X across uh-huh. the top and um, I got to see it get played once and I was like this looks really cool and then I just never had an opportunity to play it because none of my friends had an Xbox mm-hmm. um, but I would see gameplay of it I was like I would love to play this get it in some way shape or form I love the style I love the music there's an entire dude on Spotify that creates st- games that are like uh jet set radio Mm -hmm. and it's just the best playlist to listen to when you're doing nonsense um so anyway i'm I'm gonna step aside now but it's just 
it's this and crazy taxi and all the other stuff that sega made is stuff that like i barely missed and moved mm. parallel to for so long and now at this point i'm like i could see how people love this stuff and yeah. i was just i'm right outside of it's it. very easy to always think of sega as just a sonic company and yeah, for they and, did yeah so much. they had so much that is like so iconic in very specific ways and these two is one of those They're, and they even have more that i haven't even listed i don't know how you would crazy like dude how would you fortnite a crazy taxi but i can mario see, tour yeah i can see a live service element like working for jets or radio if it allows for that kind of especially because it's about skater just imagine a bunch of skaters running around and all that i feel if this is the moment for the series to come back what always scares me is when any company strength chasing the live service model always ends in catastrophe they always do and none of it works for them and it it hurts my soul to basically be puppeteering these things that Mm -hmm. people grew up loving and saying hey we have the ip name so we're gonna slap that on all of this and it is not at all through the spirit jet set radio is literally about fighting the profiteering companies Mm -hmm. so i don't know (laughs) if that's gonna work out for them too great guys um that is a, a game where you've just glorify vandalization and destroying government property and i say all for it Mm -hmm. uh i don't know if that's gonna work with them so uh yeah exactly so i'm curious because at the very least it puts the ip back i would have thought the smart way would have been remaster an old game put it out there see if there's interest and then go from there i mean that's literally what they did for what capcom's whole mo nowadays Put it out like a little remaster and then make a whole new thing. That's how Mega Man that's how Mega Man eleven came to be, so Exactly. We'll see. I I feel bad for PJ because he he's such an eclectic. He was so happy about this, and I'm like, this doesn't sound that great. Yeah, and then I posted the picture because he was like, I hope IGN is not like uh, breaking my heart. And then I went to the story. I was like, don't worry, they're reporting from Bloomberg. And I went to Bloomberg and I started reading. I was like. yeah there's there's like a lot of asterisks and caveats to all of that headline it's like it's not coming back the way you want it yeah but i feel he's in such stockholm syndrome that he just misses the things that he absolutely actually loves that he's gonna justify why this works so and it's it's i I don't blame him (laughs) my heart goes out to all those people and that's why if i was ever in a position of that it's like there it prints money to just remaster i mean he talks about it this way the way you talk about superman exactly and it's like i res- i totally understand where they're coming from with all this and i'm like i feel so bad for these people they're just not going to get the right stuff and i mean hey at least sonic fans are getting the movies and the movies are incredibly successful shockingly so, so like, good for them honestly like, because they're good those movies are actually good after all of these l's they've been taking i i will give this to them like make a ch- charming kids movie, there's nothing right. in this industry whether it's movies or games or, or anything that has had the l's the sonic franchise has, has, has had in video game world it's just yeah. it, it, it's it, it popularized the sonic cycle that then was like co-opted by the dc cycle of like announced movie bad reviews like everyone was like heartbreaking cycle begins again the sonic movie is the first time the sonic fans can be like this is actually legitimately something good and now people actually feel that the new sonic from sonic frontiers from this year if it comes out this year mm-hmm. may be good i don't yeah, know why ever about the possibility so 
Yeah, I mean, everyone's like, Breath of the Wild Sonic, sign me up. I'm like, yeah, remember, um, these are the same guys that made Sonic Forces, so... Don't get sucked in, at least you have the movies that are good. So, now, final story, Paul. Yes. And what's usually a rare exception in the current times we live in, where we expect delays more often than not, it would appear an upcoming game is actually moving up from its original release. Nintendo of America released a new trailer for Xenoblade Chronicles 3, which came with the announcement it was shifting its day up from September to July 29, 2022. Considering the game was first announced in February 2022, it would appear this is one of the cases where the game's been done for a while and Nintendo is sitting on it for a little bit longer. However, this does raise some questions about the status of both Splatoon 3 and Bayonetta 3, which were set to be 2022 games. Did they get pushed out of the year entirely? Or are they filling the spot in the quite barren August through October timeframe? With the next Nintendo Direct presumably coming around the usual June timeframe, RIP E3, we should know that Nintendo's plans actually are for the second half of the year when the new Mario Strikers is out. Yeah, after this, I was like, yeah, the second half for Nintendo was Xenoblade and Pokemon because Zelda moved out of the year. Yeah, and but, I mean, this makes sense. It's Nintendo is the, the company that, I mean, ironically, because they started off making playing cards, that uh, they play things close to their chest. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to fix my headset, which got under my chair and uh, or the wire for it, at least. Sorry. All right. Um so yeah they play all their cards close to their chest which means that they have the stupid amount of money to be able to make games and sit on them instead of have to get them out really quick and um this is one of those cases where it's like all right i guess that's kind of cool that y'all were able to just do that but um and then that's like a totally separate problem that i won't even talk about but i at least they're planning on filling some of the gaps that mm -hmm. they clearly are going to miss out on in some of these opportunities but um i think they're gonna try to fill it with at least one of the two they're gonna pick either splatoon or bayonetta because to pick both i might feel like they're saturating the market a little bit even though it's very different markets nintendo mm -hmm. doesn't really care about that it seems yeah i would think the one that makes it from this two is bayonetta 3 because uh bayonetta 3 was announced back in 2017 but I feel like Splatoon might be more profitable. Also true. But so will it be ready? This is going to be an interesting one. Be like, which will survive, or will they just try to shove all of it out there, or and just shove it all out there and have enough space for Wind Waker and Twilight Princess, right, Nintendo? Oh, here we go. <laughs> oh, uh, that it, would be. Mm. I said it before. I said it again. This is the they have made a point. To yeah. release a Zelda something every year, so Lately, there's gaps. They they don't tell us, but they have uh, processes and routines that they seem to be sticking to, especially lately. So, ooh, that would be a, that would be the prayer that I will say. Um, if I tell they you, just, I will literally cry if I see Wind Waker shop in one of those. If I Rex. if they play the soundtrack that do 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 do, and like I will freak out mm -hmm. <laughs> oh and then it'll be like a pachinko mini game or something yeah uh, okay, i still so. i refuse to believe we're gonna go through the entire switch area where now we have pretty much almost every nintendo game in existence in the zelda franchise all under one banner and you're not gonna have those two 
I really hope uh, they don't. Please don't let it be on their service. Please mm -hmm. don't let it be. Where we live in a world where Skyward Sword was sold for 60 bucks and all of the others are on the service would be just not enough for me to live. Mm -hmm. I, um, yeah, so all that is to say, crazy ramblings aside, I hope it all works out for them and uh, that we get all of the good games that we are owed, Nintendo. Get over yourselves. Mm -hmm. And that's yes. all my <laughs> I'm going to say now. I also say that I think uh, I feel this could be the year. Now like, I feel the year is now getting to that kind of point of like, how do you fill this up? And I feel that's just such an easy way to yeah. fill it up. So with that, Paul, we conclude this another lengthy episode of the x button we've been getting quite a meaty stuff we nearing, nearing to may and we're like a few episodes away from episode 50 actually what are we gonna do for episode 50 are we gonna like i don't know like yeah it's like i'm gonna, I'm gonna do a backflip on stream yeah so this is today's episode 48 so we have two more We'll have to figure that out. Yeah, we'll see. And I'll just make mention. Hey, and at some empty. point, <laughs> I'm going out of town in middle of March, which I mean May, um, which we'll we'll have to make it like an evergreen episode for that. Absolutely. So, so you let me know which ones. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll let you know. I have the dates, but I just wanted everyone to know that at some point that's going to be fun. And then apparently the next season of Destiny, so that'll be great too. Yes, but <laughs> the year's flying by, Paul. It's already for. Uh, 4 19 2022 we're recording it's i crazy. blinked and april was gone yep <laughs> and I, then i blinked I really and march hope. was gone i i hope that summer is actually as quiet as everyone is going to say it is because i feel like i need a freaking breather yeah <laughs> i just no, i need another anymore. stranger of paradise to give me a full year to torture you again so honestly i'll take it if i can just <laughs> get a breather from yeah. everything else <laughs> i will play strangers of paradise damn yeah. it i haven't touched it yet me neither don't worry <laughs> so, uh, it's just sitting there but paul where can people find you as always y'all can find me at dork of art on twitter i've been posting all of my art for all that stuff lately and as i mentioned earlier you can find all those uh, no man's sky screenshots and you can also talk to me about fun things where can they find you they can find me at a underscore Drosegobi on Twitter. They can find me on Instagram at AlejandroSegobi93. And they can find my written content at TheCriticalCorner.com, which I'm still cleaning up considering the huge onslaught of people that have apparently read it. So, fun stuff. Congratulations but, about that, by the yes, way. You've been it, getting some hits. Yes, despite me not updating it much recently. So, I was like, yeah, got to be more diligent about that. But, Paul, it's been fun. I'll see you online. And everyone, hope you stay safe. Have fun. Enjoy the fact that you don't have to wear masks again while flying, hey. but still stay safe. And also remember, press X to play. Good night, everyone. Hasta luego. <laughs>